Welcome everybody in another edition of New England Sports Legends in the pastoral setting of Walpole, Massachusetts. Uh, Walpole Joe, a true New England sports legend on uh, many levels. It's Joe, it's great to see you. You look great. And I'll bet they gave you a uniform you go out there and be able to manage today. I don't know about that. Why? I got too much money for that. You don't need that aggravation? <laughs> no. You, don't, you didn't need the aggravation you got when you did manage. No, but it was fun. After all those years waiting, it really paid off, Bob. Did you, was it a, a wait? Was it like oh. agonizing wait? This was a, in other words, did you wonder if you'd ever get there? That was it. I had already come to that conclusion that I wouldn't. And when it happened, it was just a stroke of luck. The best stroke was when Renly Latchman left third base to go back to Oakland. That made me the third base coach, and when it happened, there I was. So go through that now that you say it was a stroke of, of luck. Latchman, all, you know, they, un, he was vilified as the third base coach, and then he <laughs> couldn't get out of here fast enough. Well, I was the bullpen coach in those days, and then uh, after the year, he did move over to Oakland again, and... Uh, when I got the third base uh, job, uh, you usually get it for a while when the manager gets fired, and this is what happened to start with. So, so as it all played out, tell a little bit about that season and how it went and, and how you ended up getting hired because the manager got fired. Well, uh, the, uh, the 88 season, the Morgan Magic one was one where uh, they made the, the move halfway through the year. You know, I didn't expect it. Uh, there were rumors, I guess, that they might do it, and uh, which I never heard. And, and I was really surprised when they waited at the end of the uh, All-Star break to do it. You'd think they might have done it one of the first two days that we had off, but they did it the, the last day, the first day we came back. So that was the surprising thing about it. And the year itself, of course, was crazy, how they kept winning all these games. And uh, You say they, well, we. You say, what's wrong with we winning all these games? Because well, they were winning all those games, all like right. you weren't even there. We won all these games. Attaboy. <laughs> and I was the happiest guy around, I knew that. And I was always happy in the big leagues because that's the thing you want to do your whole life. And you get up there, there's not much room for complaining for me. Not when you're in the big leagues. So what else we got on that year? Well, how bad was the team when you took it over? Wasn't bad at all. It was just one of those things that when a team goes bad for a while, they just can't do it, no matter who they have. The Braves had a similar team like that. In Milwaukee there, they had Henry Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Warren Spahn, and a whole gang of good players. They, wouldn't, they couldn't win, and Charlie Grimm gets fired, and Fred Haney takes over. Very similar to our situation. But it can happen. When that leaf turns, it stays that way for a while. So just, an, just like a little energy shift or whatever, whatever it was. That's what uh, Roger Clemens called it, a little energy job. Really? Got yeah. us rolling. How, <laughs> Clemens, well, he was a hero back then. Things, things have changed, but talk a little bit about him as, as, he was pretty good. Oh, he was dynamite, <laughs> one of the best ever. And, and of course, I had 
him for the first game they had ever managed. So I was looking pretty good right out of the chute. And when he got into all this trouble and so forth, I never say anything bad about him because he made me a lot of money. That's, that's, that's good. What, what do you think, now that we're here with him, uh, what do you want to happen to him? To Roger? Yeah, what, what do you want for him? I don't know, I never even thought about it, but of course the uh, Hall of Fame will be coming up, that kind of a deal. And I don't know what to think about that. I mean, there's so many of them were doing things like that in those days, you, you wonder. Did you know at that time, did everybody know at the time, you know, whatever they're doing, let them do it, we're gonna keep a... No, I, don't, I didn't think so. I mean, I remember we had a cocaine thing one time and a little bit of, not our club, but the Pirates and them, but I didn't know anything other than that. A few amphetamines years ago, that's about it. I, you know, well, rumors were they were just like candy in a in a jar. You go in, you take amphetamines, and uh, it kept you awake and it kept you sharp. And okay, no big deal. Let's move on to the next well, one. Well, I'll tell you about the jar. The Cardinals had a jar with no cover on it, and they had these greenies in it. And when we were in AAA, one of the players uh, went up to the big leagues and he saw these amphetamines and he, they worked for him. So he grabbed a few of them and he put it in an envelope and sent it back to some friends on the club. And we tried them and it was pretty good. They relaxed and all that. But then the Cardinal players started taking handfuls of them. And that's when the lock went on the top and we were out of business. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it's been that whole drug use or whatever is like some give and take over the years. You know, it's like <laughs> now we now apparently we know too much. We know they too do. much. And they're always trying to beat the system, I guess. Does that surprise you? Not really. I mean, I, I don't pay too much attention to it, but I, mean, I just can't feel. Why would someone get caught twice? No, let alone once. You know what I mean? It's crazy. What's stupid is what it is. That's it. It's Stupidity. A, yeah. Well, anyway, there's, if they're going to pitch, uh, you know, spitballs and scuff them up, everybody's going to get an edge, right? Isn't that, isn't, if you're going to sneak over to get closer to second for a pick, you know, it's, it's about getting edges. Well, it does, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't look at it that way for some reason. What do you look at? Like cheating? No. I look like, well, cheating, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking, just trying to get an edge on a guy doing this. Uh, I, I don't know, I just play the game. You got that? I got that. It's tough to listen though, but that's the way I think. Why is it tough? Why? Tough well, to listen to because we... Everyone's saying that. Well, I, I remember one time Roger came to me talking about getting an edge. Now, Roger thought that... Uh, I said one time that Roger was a little stiff or something like that, and he came and he said, Joe, you're giving them guys an edge. I said, Roger, you go out there and you're not throwing like you can. They know there's no edge right away. They know you don't have it today, period. One time Roger had a little stiffness in his arm and uh, it was a Sunday afternoon and he wasn't throwing anything, so I called down the bullpen and Dick Berardino told me that uh, he didn't throw worth a hoot down here either. So I went to the mound and he says, I'm just a little stiff, but it'll loosen up. Well, he threw about 
two or three more pitches and I had to go out and get him. So I understood he stormed out of there and he, <laughs> he went home and he got a catcher somewhere and he went out and fired a thousand balls as hard as he could. So these guys, they had the egos, they were stubborn, they, uh, well, I wouldn't say, you didn't have an ego, but you were stubborn, so it was, and you were the boss, so I guess you had to kind of walk a fine line in dealing with these guys, right? Or? Yeah, once in a while, but when you, when you, I learned one thing, never say they all, because then you, you get caught in the middle. There's a whole bunch of them out there that didn't have egos, but when you say all, you include them. Good point. They get no, that's mad. a good point, yeah. I'll tell you another thing. Latchman had a good thing that I learned from him. He used to argue like a son of a gun and never get thrown out of the game. So I said, hey, how come you never get thrown out? Here's what he said. I never use the pronoun you. It works. Once you say you, that next word better be a good one or you're a goner. <laughs> did you ever good advice. Did you practice that? Or? Oh, yeah. Did he? No, did you? Absolutely. After that, I did, but... Did it work? I guess, but I didn't have that many confrontations. No, yeah. No. This, uh... It didn't work one Sunday with McClellan. I said, you something. I didn't swear or anything, and I was gone, so... There you go. The game then, the game now, uh, is it greatly different? Some parts of it. Pitching is the biggest thing, I think. It's harder to hit in the big leagues now than ever before. Why? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. You got a, a lot of guys throwing 95. I don't ask my next question. Where do they come from? Well, All of a sudden, they show up on, you know, over 90 used to be, uh, uh, you know, noteworthy. Now, a guy will break 100, and you, so yeah, it's. But over 90, now, we don't know what we were throwing when we played. Yeah. We used to think 88 to 90 would be a pretty good big league fastball. Well, that's one reason. Another one is the short relievers that come in. The starter's not in the game the last few innings like he used to be. And these guys, uh, some of the bullpen guys who throw at 98, they got another little trick pitch. There's, there's a slider now, but the biggest difference is, and it took baseball 50 years to learn this. When I played, if you ran 10 guys out there starters, maybe two of them would have a decent changeup. Today, every one of them's got a changeup. I don't know what they call it or how they throw it, but they got the changeup, and that split finger has made a difference. Here's, the, here's what I think the story is. 10 years ago, the average big league batting average was 263. Last year, it was 253. Wow. Now, there's your proof right wow. there. So we'll see what it is at the end of the year this year. I'm shocked. All these guys are on uh, performance-enhancing drugs, and their performance is going down. Well, it's that change-up that's made a huge difference, I think. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know a pitch they can't hit in the big leagues now and hardly anyone throws it? What? A curveball. Curve Everyone's thinking slider. I saw a game last year... In Fenway Park, the Yankees were here. Garcia was pitching. He tossed a lot of breaking balls. Our starter got knocked out of the game in the third inning. And in came a guy named Germano we picked up. Remember him? 
curveball. Between Germano and Garcia, they must have thrown 50 or 60 curves that day. Not one batter got a hit. If anyone was watching that, they should have learned a lesson. You can change up speeds on a curve too, but they definitely don't use it enough. I was watching uh, a game, it might have actually even been last night, it was Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden, the count was 0-2 on uh, one of the Oriole batters. Now, maybe it was Machado, I don't know. But all, all of a sudden, Joe Madden, the Tampa Bay manager, shifts around, he brings over uh, Longoria, the third baseman, and puts him at second, with an 0 right in the middle of an 0-2 count. He does that, he sh you know, he puts on a different shift with different personnel. Yeah. Is that like overdoing it? Is that, you know? It seems like it is, yeah. Isn't, it, isn't that what? I don't know why he did Would that. Would you ever do that? No, I don't think so. But I'll tell you one, one thing about Bodica, a good curveball yeah. pitcher. He'd throw a guy four or five in a row, then he'd get two strikes and he'd throw a fastball and the guy might just foul it off. Now he came back one day with a curve and a guy got a hit. So I said, hey, when this situation comes up again, if he ticks that fastball, come back with another one, a repeater, because now he's looking for the curve. Well, Bodica tried it and the ball almost hit the turnpike. <laughs> that was the NEL repeating action for him. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he didn't feel responsible. He blamed you, I'm sure. Well, probably. Yeah, probably. Great I, little pitcher. We loved him. I remember Mike Bodeker. Absolutely. Well, here's the... You know how why we really got Bodeker? I was going to ask you. You know what? I'm trying to think if it was part of that Bagwell... No, it no. was Schilling and Anderson. Okay, tell what that was that. But uh, he was pitching great for Joel Tabelli in Rochester. And I love Bodica because we couldn't hit him. And uh, Earl Weaver didn't like Bodica at all. And that's why we got him in really? that deal. Altabelli tried to get him to take him and keep Why didn't he? He wouldn't do it because he didn't throw hard, I guess. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess what Earl didn't like wasn't going to happen. That's for sure. What He's about a great manager. A great manager. Is oh, he yeah. one of the best in your yes, mind? definitely. Why? He knew how to handle pitches and... Uh, he didn't go by the book all the time. He liked that three-run home like you know and so forth. But he was just definitely in complete command. Complete uh, of his team, of yeah. everything. Yeah, he was. Is, is, is that like, is it like Showalter? Would you say Joe Madden's in the same ballpark? Would you, or Socha or what, how would you talk I, about I like Madden quite a bit because he, he's got them all pretty good co cohesiveness there. You, you can see it. He's always trying to keep interest there and spirits up and all what that. A you know what? It's just a tragedy mm -hmm. that they are so good, so young, so good, so exciting, and nobody comes and sees them play. Well, to me, they never should have brought big league ballpark to Florida. Though. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't think Spring training is one thing, but a yeah. regular season yeah. is, right? That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh, so when you got the when you got the opportunity and and, and the Morgan magic happened, uh, you were just along for the ride, or did you get to appreciate it, or did you wonder what the hell's going on here? If I was this good, I'd have been up here a lot sooner. I should have been up there a lot sooner, but I was a lousy salesman. Is that true? Yes. You couldn't sell what yourself? 
I just figured if someone watches this guy manage, he knows what the hell he's doing. I got to get this guy for my manager, but it doesn't work that way. In my case, you have to be a little more boisterous, I guess. So, you I should have managed them big leagues a long time ago. Like I said, Is it, were you with the wrong organization? With the Pirates, I was to start with because uh, they were promoting their own. I, w I, I was not an original pirate, so uh, Don Hope and uh, Merton and guys, they were all pirates, so. Then I, uh, I left and I came here, and I figured I might get a chance, but I was denied twice, and uh, I had given up, figured, well, I might as well get a few years up here and get an attention plan. So you were interviewed twice and then turned? I was not interviewed. I never got a big league interview. I, I, I made them interview me. I went in and I asked Sully for the job one time and he said, no, okay, back to Pawtucket. Next well, who time, did he take, who did he give the job to? That, I, I'm trying to think now. Was it Hauk? No, it was John Zimmer. That was one of them, but there was another one too. I, I, I gotta try to figure this out now. Well, yeah, Daryl Johnson you. was there. Oh, well, he was the 67, Daryl yeah. Johnson. But Hulk left. When Hulk left, I asked for the job and didn't get it. It was and, Sullivan. And then, and Hayward then, said no, right? Yeah. And then when Zimmer left, I asked for the job. I said, hey, uh, you know, he saw me coming. He said, hey, are you here for the same reason you were the last time? And I said, yeah. He said, well, the answer's the same. Why is, it, why is he such a jerk? He wasn't a jerk. He just labeled me as a minor league manager, period. Well, that makes him a jerk in my book. Well, I never got a, an interview. He, and I, I asked Brad Mills one time. I said, hey, Brad, you're up for potentialities here as a big league manager. Have you ever had an interview? He said, no, I haven't. I says, well, cheer up, because neither did I. We haven't even talked about the longest game in history. I, I have to say that, well, I have to say nothing. I just have to ask you in terms of moments that you remember and things that you're most proud of and, and talk about more than anything, was it that Pawtucket game, what, 33 innings? 33 innings, I got bounced in the 23rd. <laughs> a guy hit a little nubber, a bunt, and he ran a few feet and the ball hit him. And the guy said, uh, he's in the baddest bugs. You know, it's foul ball. So I, I really didn't say much at all to him, but I did use the word you. I recall that most vividly. <laughs> now the guy, the, the guy was an umpire from Worcester. I can't think of his name right now, but a nice guy. And uh, he had brought his uh, grandson to the game that night, the only time the kid had been. And uh, uh, okay, I now the innings get going and he was mad. He wanted to get the game over. Of course. That, that had something to do with me getting bounced, I know that. So you were out. You know, there's a rule in the book that says if you get hit by a batted ball that's in fair territory, you're out. Well, a lot of times the guy will be in the batter's box and the ball will hit him, but the ball actually is in fair territory. You should be called out, but the umpires do not call it because that gets them off the hook right away. You can be sitting in the stands, and if your hand is reaching out over fair territory and the ball hits you, you're out. I wrote an umpire one time because twice he called that play. He called the batter out. 
and both times the ball was in fair territory. And the guy actually wrote back to me. But I waited years for someone to call that play. The batter's box has got nothing to do with it. Is the ball fair or foul when it hits you? You think the umpires are, hey, it's only my impression. I think they get, their performance continues to deteriorate for lack of a better way of putting it. Well, home plate umpiring balls and strikes hasn't been too good this year. I bought a rule book the other day to find out what the heck the strike zone was because I didn't really know it. It has changed a few times over the years. The high strike is a midpoint between the top of the shoulders and the top of the belt, which means it's just a little bit over the belly button. Nothing to do with the letters anymore. And there's a little dent in your knee there, that little soft spot. That's the, the low ball strike. I bet you ask everybody in the big leagues if one or two guys knew it, it'd be a miracle. Like players, umpires, anybody. Everybody. everybody. The ump should know it, but they don't call it that way. The reason I did it, I'm, I've seen them being calling balls halfway down to their ankles the last few years. So I said, I got to look this up, and that's what I came up with. Okay, so what about now they're going to the replay? Because apparently everybody kind of agrees with you that on-field umpiring has been shabby at best. What do, what do you think about the I, I would say that that day when Nava was safe at the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of a play from the seventh inning on, rule on it. Anything before that, forget it. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, because that was a real crucial play, yeah. naturally. And right. It's, it was evident that he was safe. This guy's got some really interesting players. Uh, Gomes, Victorino, Nava. Uh, you got any favorites? This, this is your kind of team, isn't it? I got a favorite. I got a favorite, all right, like everybody else. Pedroia. Greatest one. fielding second baseman I've ever seen. Really? I don't remember anybody as good as this guy. There might have been one out there, but I haven't seen him. I've watched almost every game he's played for eight years. And the plays he makes, especially on balls that are hit hard and take bad hops. He picks them like some guys give him a $1,000 bill. He's great. Terrific on the double play. I've only seen him make two bad throws in eight years. That's a player, isn't it? Player. And everybody thought he was, well, something I, less I than a player. You did not. I got to blow my own horn. I saw well, him, go ahead. I saw him at Pawtucket. He's playing shortstop. And I saw him make two fantastic plays. The first one, I thought it was luck. But then... I'm I don't watching. believe in luck. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I proved that. Now, uh, he was swinging the bat really good, and people were saying he's too small, he's got a long swing, he can't run. The only other guy I know that loved him was Theo Epstein. Because he asked me one time about him. I said, Theo, this guy's going to be a player. Because I've watched him at Pawtucket a few games, and he's going to do it. I'm sure their scouting system did, too, like him. But I didn't know too many others that liked him. But he's, he's far surpassed anything you thought he was going to be, right? Not so much as a hitter, but fielding, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm the best field play I think I've ever seen a infielder make. He was playing second. Texas had a guy on first. 
there was a line drive over there. It looked like there's no way he can reach it. As he's extending to reach for it, the ball was hit hard. The thing shot up behind his ear, and he went like that, wheeled through the second for a double play. Best play I've ever seen by an infielder. Better than Iglesias the other day with that flip little... Oh, yeah. Where Machado uh, from behind third base. Yeah, it was better than that. Okay, the best good. play I've seen as a thinking player was that play Jeter made in that right. when he covered the first base. Relay, Unbelievable. Relay. Yeah. Just flipped it behind his back. Anyway. I'm glad we got a chance to talk. I wish we had three hours. But, you know, uh, I'm glad that you're doing so well. I mean, thank you. You I'm look healthy. You look, I, you know, I love talking baseball with you, but. Greatest game there is. Yeah. Can't beat it. How come it's so slow then? Well, I blame the umpires. Okay. They were trying to speed it up, but they did a poor job. Now, there's one player on the Red Sox. When the guy in front of him, he's on the on-deck circle. When the guy in front of him hits that ball, here he comes. He's beside home plate before the ball can... I, can I tell you who it is? Yeah. It's who, the Pedroia. Absolutely. The I, only one. Well, I the do the, since I'm doing the public addresses announcing, I can... You notice that? I notice that. I've got to hurry up when he it comes up because he's up to the plate before I can name his name. That's right. He's right well, that's there. That's how I knew that. Very good, Bob. Thank You're you observant. That's one of the best qualities of a manager, being observant. <laughs> well, you can start for me any day. I've asked a thousand people that question. You're the only one that's answered it. Actually, where do you want to play today? Because you're my <laughs> starter. Joe Morgan, Walpole Joe, the one and only. Uh, thanks for being with us. Legends Boston has been a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. Executive producer, Jim Burke. Show updates and information can be found at legendsboston.com.